It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at CBOC.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Hello, this is Dr. Jeremy Lookaball, workplace communication and negotiation coach, as well as industrial organizational psychology consultant. In addition to cboc.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at termboot.com. Also on the panel today, we have Sarah Smith-Berry of Frigo Consulting. Sarah is a psychometrician, veteran advocate, consultant, and modern stoic. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach, and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. All right, so lots to talk about today. Becker's Health IT, there's this article that just came out, Downsides to Remote Work Technologies, Five Insights. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookaball. With us today, Sarah Smith-Berry. Sarah, how are you? Fantastic. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Beautiful. Mr. Tom Bradshaw, how are you? Jeremy, I'm freezing in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Getting there here, too. So this uh, article... And I wonder what you guys think about this. Five insights from Dr. Soga. Here we go. First one, remote work platforms like Zoom offer more of an illusion of connecting rather than fostering deeper relationships. What do we think about that? unique perspective on that one, Jeremy. Um, So I use Zoom quite a bit. You know that I use it a lot in my philanthropic efforts as well. So I find that Zoom is actually a platform where people are able to open up quite readily. Um, I really think it's all in the facilitation and maybe I'm sure Tom would agree with me there. Um, If you have a good facilitator and someone who's going to be driving engagement and checking in with people in the room, I think you can foster um, good, deep, uh, meaningful relationships on Zoom. The thing that is missing, I think, is the body language, right? Um, And the other thing that I'm finding quite interesting and kind of funny, too, is when I show up to in-person events now, I have no idea how tall anyone is (laughs) until I get there because we're all sitting down. So that that's, you know, something that jumps out at me. But as far as fostering good relationships, I think that all depends on the individuals participating. Um, I'd like to know what you two think. Well, I'm always going to take it back to the notion that when we're using Zoom, we're using a screen and we've been, you know, at, we've been practitioners or users of screen technology for almost 100 years. You know, it starts with film and then we go into television. And, you know, I could be sitting in a theater watching a film and I can actually form a personal relationship with those characters on the screen. So the the notion that we, you know, we can't form a relationship with someone on the screen simply because they're on the screen. No, I don't, I don't go with that. You know, we, we do it all the time, actually. And it was interesting what Sarah said about, you know, you can't tell how tall people are. Well, here's a little trick. <laughs> The more skin that you can show from the top of your head, 
you know, down to to your chest area. So if you if you want to appear short, wear something that's really sort of closed at the neck. So you're only getting a minimal distance from the top of your head to your chin. But if you wear something more open, it actually gives you more flesh tone and that makes you look taller. Jeez, Tom, it never ends. We always get these <laughs> bite-sized morsels and tidbits. Ought to be able to understand better. Sarah, you're smiling about that. What do you what do you think? I'm just sitting there thinking that could go the wrong way for women. So ladies, keep it, keep it, you know. Keep it tasteful. Keep it tasteful. <laughs> I just want to appear taller. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I, you know, I really do think that, you know, it's all in the way we use technology. Um, technology can help us or hurt us. You know, a few minutes before we started recording, Tom and I were discussing the challenges that I'm having with the platform Zoom already and the technical issues. And, you know, when when it fails and it's not expected and it's completely random, what does that do to our reputation? What does that do to, you know, our relationships then? Because is it like not showing up? Is it the same thing as standing someone up? You know, so it's a really interesting um field of navigation, but I'm finding that most people are incredibly accommodating because we're all dealing with the same challenge. We're also also incredibly naive <laughs> because the film and television industry has been using screen technology to manipulate the audience for decades. So I think it's incumbent if you want to use this technology and use it successfully that you actually dive into a little bit about how they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. Tom, you said earlier, like, hold on, here's a hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so you're saying that it's entirely possible for people to form a relationship on screen. So let's look, so, Tom, you can see my screen, correct? I can see you and your screen, yes. All right, so look, so here we have, now we have this, you know, number two. We look at, I, I, lo I love the, uh, the phrasing here. Creating relationships solely via video communication platform often begins with ritual sniffing. I've never heard of ritual sniffing. I do not know what, what virtual sniffing means, but luckily we're told when people measure up to each other to figure out the best way to make an impression rather than forming an authentic bond. When we look, when I watch a movie, especially when I get into a series, you know, one of these nice long series, that's when you start to feel uh oddly enough an authentic bond with the character which is i think what you're talking about but when we look down at point number two we have all this uh in this article that we're looking at the virtual tech supported collaboration there's so many benefits it's it's more of a, everything's more of a transaction um the the author here dr uh, soga mentions tele leadership much like military leader transmitting directives to soldiers in a field I think there's much less of an experience when we're on when we're on Zoom. I think it's less of that. Yeah, everyone's acting, but everyone's acting in a way to, to say, uh, oftentimes either I don't care. Here's what I think. Uh, I don't care. I'm going to prove it by not engaging and not having my my camera on, or uh, especially not having my camera on and not engaging at all, or whatever these new types of social norms that are being created. I mean, think of like your in, think of your in-person meeting where you have everyone sitting around a table, just where you sit at that table. Uh, it tells a lot about where you think you're positioned on the team. 
And what are we doing with Zoom? I guess what I'm saying is, are we really even close to creating an authentic self or an authentic bond on camera? And I'm not talking about the you, me, and, and Sarah's here, where we're, we, we do this because we want to. I'm talking about your normal work environment, where people have to come to meetings. They're boring meetings. They're led boringly by boring people who talk about boring things and take up time that could be used to solve real organizations problems, but instead they're just checking a boring box. Well, I think that's a different conversation about meetings. That's what I think, Jeremy. I think that's a completely different conversation on should we rethink how we run meetings? I don't think that has much to do with the platform, but I can appreciate what you're saying. I do share an office with my spouse and I watch a very similar thing unfold as to what you describe every single day. And I think it really does come down to the people um, and facilitation. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're leading a boring meeting, I don't think it matters whether or not you're doing it in an office, if you're doing it in a restaurant, or if you're doing it on a Zoom call, it's going to be boring either way. And I think that Zoom is turning into its own cop-out for some of these leaders of these meetings. So they're saying, oh, well, it's so hard to engage on a, a technical platform. Well, were you really engaging before? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Sarah. Let's not blame the technology. Um, Zoom is simply a tool. I could produce the the world's boringest movie, but who wants to watch it? I mean, it's just like those meetings. However, I can turn the tables and I can actually make those meetings engaging. I can make them exciting. I can make everybody feel like they're participating. I can take everybody on that journey. So it's not the technology. It's, it's how you use it. So what you're saying, Tom, I mean, really what you're saying is that we now have a title for this podcast, which is how to turn your, how to turn your, or maybe a future one, how to turn your virtual meeting from, from a B movie into a blockbuster. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's simply, you know, skills, you know, we, we talk a lot about the cell of uh, the soft skills and, you know, there's a technological aspect. There are some things that you could be doing to enhance the, you know, the viewer's enjoyment. But it goes back to, you know, I, I remember early when I was, you know, working with public speakers, you know, the, the notion is as speakers, it can either be informative, you know, it can be a sales presentation or it can be entertaining. Well, it needs to be all three. So you have to bring in that entertainment aspect because people will learn better. They will be more open, more engaged if they're actually having a good time on your meetings. Now that doesn't mean that everything should be laughs and chuckles because we also see movies that get very serious, but the audience becomes more engaged. It's like, you know, you talk about having difficult conversations. Well, if we're having a difficult conversation on Zoom, guess what? Everybody's focused. So, you know, once again, I'm gonna go back to Zoom as a tool. It's how you use it. Can I just interject and say that a parallel was just drawn in my mind by what you just said, Tom, which was the one about showing more skin, making us appear taller. Maybe if we show more of ourselves, people will find us more interesting. 
And so that's one way that we can leverage this platform, us being from home. We're in our own environments. We should feel more comfortable already showing more of ourselves. So use that to your advantage. Now, I agree. Do not let it go off and left field and, you know, suddenly you know, it, it becomes a, a, a night out or a you know, happy hour. You don't want to take it necessarily that far, but there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of banter integrated into your meetings. We're social creatures. Banter is part of it. And I think we get in trouble when we try to erase that, when we try to erase the human aspect of conducting meetings, communication, and all of those things. And I'm sure Jeremy is going to weigh in there because he's the communication guy. So it's just about choosing to show all of yourself and not necessarily all of yourself, but the parts that are going to facilitate a deeper or more meaningful takeaway from whatever it is that you're discussing that evening, sharing experience. Listen, this is something that I I harp on all the time in my group sessions that I facilitate weekly with some of the most big organizations across the country supporting veterans. And one of the things that I always say is that we learn more from each other than we do from just our own experience. So I always pause and make sure that people are weighing in If we do a breakout room session, for instance, on Zoom, when we come back, what was the key takeaway from your session? Because there may be four, 10 different sessions going on at once. And when we come back to the main room, if we share one sentence from each of those 10 sessions, then guess what? It's like we were in 10 breakout rooms at once. So just making sure that you're leveraging the technology in order to accomplish what it is that your end goal is, right? You know, that's something you're, you're referencing with movies, Tom, is we can't make a good movie without understanding our main character, understanding what the journey that we're taking our audience through. We should be thinking about those things in meetings. I, I agree a hundred percent. If we treated a meeting like a film script, and we constructed a storyline where you know things build to a climax and then there's a resolution, I think we would take so many more of the people in that meeting with us on the journey and they would actually be motivated to take action. Well, and that's the key point is the action piece, Tom. Yeah. It's so many, how many meetings do, do we know of that our colleagues, friends or whatever are participating in that don't even need to happen? Tons. <laughs> They're completely unnecessary. It's a complete waste of time. One way to remedy, well, not remedy that completely, but take, you know, a lot of organizations, a standard meeting is uh, an hour. Uh, other organizations are doing a little bit better. Standard meetings, 45 minutes. You make every standard meeting 27 minutes long. Even the unnecessary meetings aren't as painful and they don't take up as much time. And why a 27 minute meeting? Because 20 minute, 27 minutes makes you stop and think anything that interrupts our normal attention span is fantastic. So that 27 minutes and in the beginning of the meeting say, all right, we're here for our 27 minute meeting. And guess what? It's going to be a 27 minute meeting. And if not, there's going to be permission asked to run over 27 minutes. And then that's when you know it's really necessary. So here we are with, with some tips. A lot of meetings aren't necessary. Make them standard 27 minutes. For those that that slip through the gap, they'll be less harmful to the uh, to the labor hours for the org. 
Well, and another thing that I'd like to chime in with, Jeremy, because I work with a lot of people in the tech space, right? And so a lot of what they do is demos, right? This is that that word demo. I'm going to schedule you for a demo. It's an hour-long demo. And you could participate in many of these in a week, whether you're a facilitator or an audience member, it doesn't matter, okay? Why do we need to do a live demo? Why can't we just record the demo, send it to the person and ask for questions? Why, why do we have to insist that they sit there live and ask their questions live? You're doing the same thing on repeat. These facilitators are doing the same thing. They're giving the same meeting, the same presentation, rinse and repeat for how many hours during a week when they could be packaging, you know, that information up into a 15 minute video that's much more concise and then sending out an email asking for questions or one-on-one -on -one, you know interaction feedback what have you for people who really want to go deep cuz you you know there's two sides of the spectrum half of the people are going to want to take a deep dive and play with the buttons and whistles and the other people just want to see what it can do and then move forward so you know so many of these meetings are rinse and repeat and i think it's time to get rid of those i think it's time to automate those we have the technology let's start using that and let's get people working on people problems, right? Let's start using humans where humans make sense and use computers where computers make sense. I think that's a great idea. And we, we're we now just starting to embrace the technology. You know, if you want to create a 15-minute video to send to your colleagues, it's not that hard to do it well. You just need a few minutes to learn the easiest steps that will take you there. But there is a hesitancy from a lot of people you know, especially my age, to in to fully embrace that technology. And it seems to be, you know, the higher you go in an organization, the more gray hair you're going to find and the, the more hesitancy to really sort of embrace this technology. The higher you go in organizations, the, the more resistance. What did you say, Tom? The more gray hair you're going to find. Oh, so, gray <laughs> So, you know, people, you know, I'm almost 60 and, and people in my generation you find some people who are really into technology they understand it you know <laughs> but you know we think of technology as something that you kids do so so you know uh, if you want to you know create great videos hire a 16 year old but the truth is you know i've talked to a lot of 16 year olds they're not that good and the technology that we actually need to learn is not that difficult we're not making a feature film Although the technology, you know, I've got that on my desktop, but just to have the tools to be able to make a good video that's appealing to people that has great sound, because, you know, one of the things we've learned is sound is one of the harshest judgments that people will get. If it doesn't sound good, they ain't listening to it. Then make sure you've got some, you know, decent lighting. Uh, a lot of people now like to use ring lights with their videos, uh, which I think is great. Just make sure you don't end up with raccoon eyes. So there is the technology. It's not that difficult. And I think Sarah's right. We've got to, in, you know, take the advantage of recording more information because we don't need to have as many live meetings, especially on Zoom, as we're having. I mean, you know, sometimes picking up the phone is the right choice of media. So to do a quick commercial here, Tom, you're talking. So the, the, the things that you you do with Sufan Wong and Carrie Hamilton um vc how, how do people get a hold of you initially on uh 
vcmastery.com if they want to have that conversation to get with you and your tech team yeah just uh, go to vcmastery.com uh, you might actually want to look at some of the you know programs or services we're offering uh, we'll actually take a look at what you're currently doing with video and we'll give you an assessment of everything from well you know sufan handles the lights and sound issues uh you know i'm more of the on-screen persona person how are you coming off cross screen but Carrie Hampton brings in, you know, she's a set and costume designer for, for stage and film. So, you know, how many people actually consider what does your background look like? Is it supporting you as a speaker? Are you dressed appropriately? What does your hair look like? All those things can either diminish from the message or they can support the message. And then once again, you've got to have the great sound and, and video. And then, and then you are the character on screen. You meet, you know, first of all, how many videos have you seen where people are, they've simply put their laptop on their desk, they flipped it open, and now you're looking up their nostrils because of the angle they've chosen. It's a terrible, you know, unless you're, you know, making a horror film, <laughs> that's not an angle that you really want to rely on. You know, it's, and I hate to tell people that, it's the same angle that they use when you first see the evil character in a horror film. You know, it we're does, still in the it, Halloween season, Tom. So isn't that uh well acceptable? There's been a lot of Halloween videos in the last week, Jeremy. <laughs> so, so to recap, people can either grab you on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Tom the Speech Guy, Thomas Bradshaw, or on VC Mastery. There's a um, a connect button where they can schedule a, a quick meeting with you. So on on that on that note, though, when you're took when you're talking about in the organizations, you said there's a lot more gray hair. Uh, I thought you said great air, maybe, as, as they go farther up in the organization. So the, the takeaway is if the the younger generations, we'll just call them that, are presenting new tech, listen, you know, listen to them. And, and there, it is possible when you're talking about this kind of like reverse mentoring, especially when it comes to technology. And I'm a big fan. A lot of things in life we just don't do because we're afraid of, because it seems too big to tackle. We just don't understand it. It's like snakes and spiders. We don't understand them. So we're afraid of them. And But everyone, everyone listening, last time you got a smartphone, you spent two hours on it, stayed up way too late. And by the by, the end of the day, you knew that smartphone like the back of your hand. You knew everything the, there there was to know about it. It's the same thing with any kind of a tech, with doing your taxes, whatever it may be. A lot of times, these things take a lot less time. And the way to avoid procrastination is simply do the first step that you need to avoid that procrastination. So let's say you need to let's say it's 1982 and you need to make a telephone cold call. You don't need to call five people. Instead, what you need to do is you need to pick up that telephone receiver. That's all you need to do because your actions are going to follow that. So um, maybe it's, you know, pick up the phone call and, and talk, ask one of your employees who you know makes good videos, who you know has a talent, a knack for doing that, and start that conversation. It's just, it's just about starting that conversation and then the actions follow. Uh, we're going to close it up for now. And we've got an extremely interesting next podcast lined up for everyone. So I'm going to say thank you to Sarah Smithberry. Thank you, Tom Bradshaw. And we will be back soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. 
Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.